This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Matt Caraccio, and the Summer Seminar Series keeps rolling along as we try to bring each and every one of you a little bit closer to the game that we all love and cherish on Saturdays and Sundays. And of course, in this particular Summer Seminar Series, we are exploring the movement marvels of our games, those players that in some way, shape, or form have shaped our lens of the game, our understanding of particular positions, or even just our overall fandom and appreciation for the game itself and tonight i am just so excited he is a returning guest he is part of the qb collective one of the literally the premier up and coming if not already established and marveling at the quarterback development kind of camps and programs at the qb collective i'm talking about the one and only mr will hewlett will once again thank you and welcome to the saturday to sunday football podcast Matt, thank you so much for having me. Uh, that was a fantastic introduction. I should hire you full time, man. That I feel good about myself once well, again. I, I will always do PR for you, Will. I have no problem I doing that. that. <laughs> hands down. Hands down. So, Will, as we get into this a little bit tonight, before we get into a little bit of the movement marvels and, and unload it a little bit, how's the QB Collective? You guys have been doing a lot recently, a lot of big things on the horizon, just in case where coaches are listening or players are listening, just a, just a kind of a, an elevator kind of pitch sure. for what the QB Collective is and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah, um, I mean, through the, the um, you know, using quarterbacks is kind of our main vessel, but, you know, our goal is to develop the whole athlete, um, you know, mind, body, and soul, but we, we, we take pride in the, in a, you know, scientific approach to the, the, the technical side of, of coaching quarterbacks. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, add in the, uh, cognitive side and we, you know, we spend a lot of time, um, working with some of the best coaches and best scientists trying to, um, you know, best minds in football trying to figure out the best way to approach, you know, the, the decision-making, um, you know, processes that, that players have to work through. And so the collective is exactly, um, you know, uh, what its name is. It's a collection of, of in, you know, different coaches from different backgrounds, um, strong NFL influence. And, uh, you know, we've, we've new on the scene. We're year, we're going to year five and, and uh, work primarily with high school, collegiate, and professional um, uh, level quarterbacks. And obviously on the coaching side, um, you know, we have a, a wide range of, of different levels of coaches. Well, and, and you know what? And I, and I love that you pointed out that the collective says it all. Because everything is collected together. There's no silos. You know, walls are being broken down. You're literally having everybody at that round table having a discussion about how can we improve these players from every angle. If, if you don't know anything about the QB Collective, if you're a player or a coach or even just a fan of the game or the position, you really need to check it out because what they're doing, I think, in the space is revolutionary and if you haven't followed Will on Twitter or anything um, or any of his work, I think you're you'll see what I mean in terms of the types of approaches he's taking to the game and the development of the position. And I think it's it's such an such an intriguing and exciting way to look at the position. So uh, without all the fanfare now, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna now that I'm gonna I'm gonna 
get right to it. We, the, the whole theme was movement marvels. And I, I know I kind of, it's such a nebulous pitch. Like, what do you mean by movement marvels? But I'm curious from your standpoint, from your background, I wanted it to be a little bit of a Rorschach test, a little bit of a, what do you bring to it? That's your own. When I said movement marvels to you as a theme, what did that really bring about in your mind as a potential player or position that you would choose to talk about? Yeah. For me, um, there's, there's always been that, uh, that player or, 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 yeah, I mean, a player you would see that you couldn't really explain how they did things, um, but they got it done. And it might not be the fastest guy. It might not be the strongest guy or the largest, um, but there was something, uh, you know, kind of mysterious, marvelous about how they, um, uh, you know, made things happen like the, you know, the, the playmaker. Right. And, and so, to me, that's really what stood out. Um, what kind of you know the, the thought, the feel that I got when I heard the theme, um, and, and uh, you know just kind of thinking of of you know what players and 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 what type of movements um, kind of fit that 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 theme. So, I mean, I'm so excited to talk about the player that you want to talk about tonight, but I'm going to at least start by unveiling the position. Of course, (laughs) no surprise here, given your background, your extensive knowledge, your experiences, we're going to be going quarterback here. So before we actually unveil that name and we leave a little bit, a little bit out there for everybody to still latch onto, what is it about the quarterback position that you find so intriguing in terms of the challenges, the obstacles, the type of player that it takes to play that position? Unpack the position and what you feel a marvelous quarterback at that respective, a marvelous player at that respective position might look like. You know, it's it's um, it's been a, a thirty year passion of mine, uh, twenty seven technically speaking, uh, trying to figure out this position. Uh, so since I was thirteen years old, I was obsessed with um, throwing football, and and then. Um, how to how to become an expert at throwing the football, um, and then how to become an expert at playing quarterback. And you know, as I transitioned out of a player um, into a coach, I, I started realizing more clear than ever how little I knew and how little everyone knew about the position and how to coach it. And, and looking back, um, just having this, you know pit in my stomach going, I think I could have been a, a considerably um, more accomplished player. I would have reached my potential maybe a little bit better if I had some better guidance, some better feedback. Um, and so as a coach, uh, my, my passion has been just trying to figure out uh, how to best um, guide young athletes uh, to help them reach their goals. Um, uh, but, you know, and that, that's kind of led me beyond just the position itself, like how to understand how does learning work and, and how does, um, you know, are there better ways to coach? And it's, is, is it more than just saying, hey, do this and um, don't do that? And, and so for me, the position is, is, is so difficult to evaluate um, and and still so um you know it's a hit or miss industry right i mean you could argue that 50 percent of the quarterbacks just don't work out and why is that and and so i i've kind of you know that's that's my my goal is to figure out how to help work through that and and then um you know at least help athletes reach their full potential 
So I want to pick apart your brain a little bit on a couple of the things that you just said. And I think they're wildly interesting comparatively to, to maybe some of our other guests, because you could probably speak to this from your experiences uh, over the last five years with the collective. And then throughout your, obviously your 27 year kind of career going through this. Mm -hmm. When talk about the quarterback position, we always talk about, you know, everything matters, the, the collective, the collective entities, all the different vectors that coming into this player, the social, emotional, the sociocultural vectors, like what is, what is the society of sport think a quarterback needs to be? And how does right. that affect the kid's performance? And what is it that the parents and, you know, family members supporting a quarterback, all those different things, those things that aren't necessarily physical, but maybe emotional and psychological. Are there certain things that you could give? And again, very generalized. We're not talking about a specific player, but the idea of what are some of those aspects that you think you've seen throughout the years that are really hallmarks of some of those kind of buckets we don't talk about, those emotional, psychological, those buckets, the collective player is not just the tools on the field, but everything off the field as well. Do you see some kind of elements or qualities in those successful players at that position? You do. Um, and, and I think if you talk to coaches um, about, you know, what makes a great quarterback, there's always kind of what we get at face value. And, you know, there's obviously the, the big, strong, um, tall, even though we're shrinking a little bit, you know, those are the guys that stand out, right? It's like, oh, they're impressive to the eye. Um, but what's, what's so cool about the quarterback position is, you know, physical traits help get quarterbacks on the field, help get them opportunities. If you're a great thrower, um, and, and, and you're, you're a tremendous athlete, you'll get opportunities, but the position to have longevity and, and long-term success, um, requires so many other, so many other things. And I think some of the things that, you know, that stand out, um, it, you, you, you need someone it's, it's funny because it's kind of a prima donna position, right? It's kind of been tagged as that like pretty boy, you know, doesn't like to get hit. Um, but I think the traits that constantly stand out are the ones that have success, you know, uh, I think toughness is just so important. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that goes into how you were raised, how your parents, you know, if you fell over, do they, uh, come running over there and, um, and so many other distractions, um, especially for younger athletes with, you know, social media and the pressure of, of, of competing and being ranked. Um, or just getting a scholarship, you know, whatever it may, the case is, um, you know, it takes a special individual to be able to, you know, kind of drown out the noise and and really just focus on what's important. And and some guys do it a lot easier than others, um, but there's absolutely so many other factors that that make up what you know. A lot of things have to go right for for a young man to have success at at the you know the highest level. So as we begin to kind of unpack the player that you're going to talk about tonight, you said the word toughness. And I think toughness is a word that you'll find, I think, in our particular space as coaches, as analysts, you'll find it very divisive and maybe a very provocative topic because some people say, you know, we're, we're sending the wrong message. Others are saying, well, you're getting the wrong idea when I say toughness. But I don't think it I, I forget the word. What does it mean to be a, a resilient quarterback? What, is, what are some of those challenges, like you said, the pressures that exist being ranked? But what about on the field? What are some of those pressures that you're facing in the huddle during the game 
other than just executing, what are you, what are you really facing on the field that we need to be aware of? Cause we're so far from the game. Most of us listening to this, what are some of those things that from your own experiences, you might be able to take us on the field with before we talk about the player you're going to unveil tonight. Sure. Yeah, I think the, the best way that I try, try to help people understand what it takes to be a quarterback. And I think one of the easiest analogies is, is driving um, and driving. If you have lots of kids and um, so if you just think about put yourself in the driver's seat on a highway, 75 miles an hour with four children in the back of your car, your wife, and you got, you know, cars screaming by and you've got kids throwing stuff and fighting and yelling, the music's on. And it's, it's actually super impressive um, how people, you know, don't crash. I mean, they are, you know, you're, you're paying attention to all these different things, but, you know, subconsciously we're weaving in and out of traffic um, you've, 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 you're able to avoid, you know, impacts of, of, you know, other cars is everyone's out there trying to kill you. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> war field. And, and so, but, you know, we think of our 16 year old child getting the driver's license and going out there on the road. And it's, that freaks us out because we know like, Oh my gosh, it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with, you know? And so playing quarterback, uh, it really is like, being on a highway except the speed is multiplied and um you know the 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 amount of distractions that that a quarterback has to deal with um it it is there's an art form to being able to manage those and we're not talking just um distractions in the pocket we're talking you know you've got coaches that sometimes can't control themselves on the sideline you've got um, other players, the referee, the music, whatever the case is, there's all these little factors. You've got to be able to wash those out and um, absorb the correct information, take the ball, make a snap, and, and uh, make a decision and, and throw it to the right guy. Um, and so I think the, the, the quarterback position embodies, you know, that uh, great ones uh, able to deal with just so much. I mean, it's probably like being a, a Formula One driver, right? It's just like everything's flashy, but it's slow. You know, you're able to navigate through those things. Um, and, and I think those are the things as coaches, we're like, how do we help, you know, improve that and, and drill that um, in, in young athletes as well. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting that you said it's, it's so fast, but it's slow. And, and I would, I would, I would imagine that that takes time to, to happen. You know, I mean, it doesn't happen immediately, but I, you know, to the degree with which you get comfortable, you become, you start getting to, the, the word that we always seem to use in these instances is attuned or being sensitive to the more you're sensitive to information that matters, you know, the, the, the easier and quicker you're able to pick it up with minimal opportunity to really view the, the playing area that you're actually trying to observe. You need less and less to maybe make that same movement or that same decision or that same coordinative action. It, it's just fascinating. All right. All right. I know everybody's waiting for it. So mm-hmm. as we, as we kind of transition to this, you talked about moving, moving under fire, being able to kind of get in and out of tight areas and make decisions under chaotic circumstances. And I, I don't think there's a player who's, who's, college career, high school career, and now as a current NFL player, I think this describes this player's potential more than anybody else. And I'm talking about the one and only Kyler Murray. Yes, Kyler Murray is just the Arizona Cardinals' most recent draft pick at quarterback. And this past year, he just had just shy of 4,000 yards, passing for 3,700 yards, 
20 touchdowns to just 12 interceptions. So, Will, the first thing I want to ask you is Kyler Murray. Why Kyler Murray? What 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 spoke to you about Kyler Murray's game? Well, you know, yeah, lots of things. Um, I've followed him since high school. He's always been very intriguing um, because he's played the position at at a size and you know and a height that's um, considerably less uh, than than his peers. Um, he may be the same size as through as Russell Wilson he might be shorter I don't know Uh, but what always stood out to me was number one his ability to um, place the ball anywhere on the field it was like that the the line didn't matter it didn't matter that he was five seven and they were all six foot five Um, and so when you see that it, it doesn't it almost doesn't fit we're just not used to that and and then the ease in which he could um, feel and 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 move and avoid pressure um, and extend plays uh, was you know was exciting to watch and then very intriguing to watch as well. So he's a guy that stood out to me from college. Um, and you're always wondering can he continually have success at the next level? And I felt like his his rookie year was just absolutely phenomenal, and I think he's going to be a star for years to come. So I want to go back to something that you said, you know, he, you said he, he, you know, what he does at his height and, and you talked about his ability to do all this, you know, despite not being six foot five. And it just resonates with me because, you know, he's never seen, you know, the game through the lens of a six foot five quarterback. So I wonder when you're, when you're out there and you're, and you're looking at these players that are maybe a Kyler Murray height, I'm sure that, that, that Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, um, players of that ilk have probably inspired many players that you've probably seen a variety of quarterbacks now. Sure. When you're looking at a player that size, what are some of the what are some of the qualities of a player that let's say has a little bit less than your prototypical height stature? What are some of the qualities that you see that seem to I don't want to say that they're the same because we know no player is exactly the same, but what are some of the qualities of those types of players that are on let's say that slightly six feet or you know just about six feet what are some of the qualities of their play that kind of you've seen across many different examples maybe kyler has one that stands out to you um do they all share similar types of qualities in different and varying levels and if so what are some of those qualities yeah i think what what stands out to me amongst quarterbacks that um are, are shorter you know six foot and under um, they have a, a knack for movement. Um, I, I think that the argument against, you know, why doesn't, why height shouldn't matter as much is like, well, you don't truly throw over, you know, you're not seeing over the top of your lineman's head anyway. Right. So it's not like, you know, listen, there's plenty of six foot three quarterbacks out there and offensive linemen are six, five, six, eight, six, seven in the NFL. Right. Um, some of those college or lines are bigger than those. And so is a six foot three guy really have that much more of an advantage over a six foot guy? Uh, I mean, maybe. Um, but I, I think the things that stand out amongst shorter quarterbacks is they're just their navigation, their ability to create space, um, to make angles uh, easier, meaning like they can, I, I feel like I mean, the further you're away, 
um, these is for the shotgun. And maybe that's part of the reason, right? The shotgun has allowed quarterbacks that are shorter to it's bought them just a little bit more time, a little bit more space to see those perimeter throws. Um, and then certainly I think, you know, there's an element to being a short quarterback where I think those guys probably didn't get the shots they deserved early on, right? Like if you're tall, you get opportunities you don't deserve. And so there's probably a lot of shorter quarterbacks out there that would have been just fantastic if they were just given more of an opportunity. And it's like a sliding scale, right? They're saying like, well, if you're shorter, then you better be faster. You better be able to run the ball. Yeah, maybe there's some truth to that, but maybe not. Um, you know, Kyler Murray was able to uh, make plays with his feet during the season, but he was a passing quarterback. He was a threat as a passer. Um, Drew Brees, I mean, we don't picture Drew as a threat as a runner. Um, he's able to maneuver, he's athletic, he's strong. Um, but it, but I think that that style of play is often cut off early for a lot of guys um, because it's just like, you know, it's hard to visualize will they have the success. Um, and then, um, yeah, but I, I, commonalities are definitely ability to, I do think you have to be somewhat of a creative mover and um, know how to find angles that might be a little easier for someone that's 6'5", 6'6". Well, you know what? Take me inside the pocket because, I mean, listen, I, you and I have had many conversations about how our our thoughts and, and ideas about the game, about positions have changed and evolved over the years. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, I was guilty for a long time, you know, of thinking about playing on structure versus off structure versus finding a quarterback that can be effective in the pocket versus outside the pocket. And I, I wonder if you take us inside the pocket, where do really those movement skills, those ability to to kind of be successful in the pocket, are there a lot of players that are successful for different reasons? And does does height or or anything like that even come into play? I mean, can, does it really matter? I mean, that that would be my question: is take us inside the pocket in terms of some of the challenges and whether or not you know where does Kyler Murray as a player. I mean, he was successful at times, very, very much so, you know, behind the line of scrimmage making passes. It's not like he abandoned ship and and started, like, just rolling out all the time. You know, he was able to make his living at times as he's been developing over the years. He's been able to do that from inside the pocket. So, you know, to the degree that we talk about players being inside the pocket, you're this way, outside the pocket, you're that way, are we being too too uh, granular? Should we be thinking more about just how they're moving? What, what do you say to that, Will? Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's take, you know, for example, this concept of, of uh, being able to track multiple objects, right? So I think this is interesting. So your ability to track multiple objects, and there's some research out there to say, like, listen, you can track three objects, you can track four objects, five objects, six objects at a time, right? And that's something that is kind of, it is what it is. It's in your DNA. It's like your 40 time. And it's not something you can maybe improve it by half an object. Um, so, you know, the ability to track multiple objects, you, you could be six foot five and not have a great tracking capacity versus someone that's 5'11", and they're fantastic at tracking multiple things at once. And and so for me, I, as a player, the pocket for me was not a, I didn't feel comfortable. I never felt good in the pocket. And maybe that was a repetition thing. I started playing the game very, very late. Um, but I just didn't have the live reps. So, and I was six, five, it did, it didn't matter. My height didn't, didn't help. 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to interrupt you. Well, that's because you had bad feet, right? I'm just saying I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. here. Well, because you had bad feet. I mean, do you think uh, when you hear that as as just commenting on what you just said, when you hear somebody saying, "Well, they just have bad feet." I mean, do you what what, yeah, what, I just, what comes to your mind? I, uh, yeah, what is bad feet, right? And it's, it, to me, I think the I mean, does Tom Brady have bad feet? He runs a 5440, right? He probably um would look great, you know, playing tag against a bunch of um, 15 year old sprinters or something. Right. Like, but to me, it, it's, it's the, the feet are really, you can't disconnect any skill at quarterback position. Right. Like it's, it's like great feet to me are, are because the, the athlete can, can feel, um, you know, absorb the information within the pocket or, 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 you know, ignore the information and, and avoid step up minor subtle movements. You hear a lot of great coaches talk about, um, you know, you want to maximize, um, you know, the, the movement in the pocket, but in, in minimal amounts, right. It's like, you don't need to move a lot. You just need to move enough. Um, and so, that's why I think the position it's such an interesting position because some of the worst athletes in the NFL, actually the worst athletes in the NFL play quarterback. I mean, if we really look at it from that standpoint, by the traditional scripture, you know, they're just not, they're not good. Tom Brady's not going to be able to line up at wide receiver. Drew Brees isn't going to be able to play outside linebacker. It's just not going to happen. Now this, obviously we've got our, guys that probably could play multiple positions like you know ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver in college and um uh you know i'm sure kyla Murray was you know he's a first round draft pick in baseball um you know this, there, there are those i don't want to say outliers but a lot of them are really good athletes but the uniqueness of the position it is allows guys that can can um you know handle the information and 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 process and move through things you know with the subtlety that i think really separates it so as we kind of move forward in this discussion, and maybe we can kind of look into our crystal ball a little bit as we kind of think about the quarterbacks of the future, you know, people think that there is a, I mean, and I'm not chuckling because I disagree with the comment, but more like, you know, is there really such a thing as a quarterback of the future, so to speak? I mean, in other words, the game is changing, but is the game changing or are we just adapting new ways to play it? And in which case, we're maybe favoring different qualities as, as opposed to other qualities at the position. I mean, tell us a little bit from your experience, especially at the collective, you guys are always studying the position from both a current standpoint and what the future will hold. I mean, is it still just about really, I don't want to say fundamentals because I'm, I'm a little bit at odds with that term, but is it still about the, the tasks and the responsibilities? Those are still the same for the position it's, is it still about just finding players that can do those things? Or is it really starting to add to the list new potential problems that need to be solved at that position? What, what are your thoughts on the, the future of this position? Is there anything new? Um, yes and no. <laughs> um, you know, and, and yes, what is fundamental, right? Um, I, I think, I think it, we're just including more now right i mean i think that's the great thing again about the position coaches are more open to looking at it from different skill sets so if someone is 
more explosive with their feet. They are a threat as a runner. Um, that's not a bad thing uh, because it's really about distributing the ball in as many different places on the field as possible. And and so having a quarterback that can run essentially deletes a player from the defense. I mean, so that that is a game changing um, you know skill set to have. But on the flip side. It takes a special, special athlete to be able to do that at, at the NFL. And, you know, I don't know how many, um, I mean, she's Lamar Jackson, for example. I mean, you know, that guy is on, on a different planet as far as a, a thrower. Um, you know, the guy distributes the ball all over the field. And then he has this unique ability to, uh, you know, pressure the defense with his lower body. Um, I'd like to think there's more out there, but I, I feel like those guys are, are gems. Um, and so, but I think coaches are including a larger base of, you know, skill sets, um, which is evolving. I think how we view the position in its entirety. But I still think there's an element if you can distribute the ball. I mean, Mike Leach always talks about you know, um, balanced football is getting the the ball to all five players, you know, eligible players, right? So it's not really like, do you run it 50% of the time or pass it 50% of the time? You just get it to everyone. And um, and, and so I think there's always going to be room for the player that gets it to everyone. Um, and, and again, throwing is such a unique skill set, um, you know, there, and, and throwing plus decision-making, you know, that's, that's just hard to get both of those. So if, if someone has the, uh, you know, the, the, the trifecta of, of being able to run, throw in and uh, make decisions, then they're special. They're going to play for a long time. Um, you, you look at a player like Patrick Mahomes, right? He's not, I mean, it, I, I don't like the concept of dual threat pro style. I think it's really guys that can run more than others. Uh, but, it, but, you know, Mahomes is someone that creates so much with his feet but you don't really look at him as a runner, right? It just creates a, a more chaotic environment for the defense um, and is able to out-leverage people with his his arm talent. Okay, so it's it's clear Kyler Murray has all these tools. And, and as we kind of get into maybe some of his, you know, I don't want to say concerns, but some of his opportunities where he could still improve. Will, what do you think about Kyler's, you know, potential ceiling or Ceiling is probably the wrong word. What do you think about his developmental potential at the position? Where are some things that he is going to continue to build on or he should be looking to build on? What do you think we're going to see from him in years to come? Yeah, I mean, he, um, what, watching him, I, I jumped into a, a considerable amount of film, um, tried to get visualized this loud, like own everything, yell at everyone, get everyone going. He's got this very, like, calm and collected but firm way about him i think it was super encouraging where the buy-in from players right is going to be there i mean immediately just won everyone over you could tell um you know a, a guy like larry fitzgerald had no problems receiving passes from from kyla Mari. um it, and i think for him you know just there's so many positives in, in terms of um, what he did this season, uh, you know, they didn't get the win early on. I think their first win was not really a win. It was a tie, yeah. um, but they were exciting to watch. And I think they're going to be even more exciting to watch. Uh, they've got another great receiver. I think that they got from um, uh, the Texans um, drawing a blank on his name, but 
you know, for, for Kyler, yeah, I think it's going to yeah. yeah, right, exactly, which is scary to think about the combination of those two together. You know, I think the 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 thing as as a fan or as as just a, a you know observer of of him that's going to be exciting to see how he develops is going to be um, his ability to uh, control the ball a little better in terms of turnovers. And you know, a rookie throwing twelve interceptions, I think Peyton Manning threw like twenty seven or something his first season, which is super impressive in so many ways. You've got a, a vet like Jameis who threw a bunch of uh, interceptions this year, but. I think he'll get better in terms of his his ability to no throw on certain passes and certain attempts. Uh, but I think it's testing your limits, right? As a rookie, like your your ability to kind of find what's what you can and cannot do. And for the most part, he think he picked that up really, really well. Um, so just an overall comfort level of the game. There wasn't anything that really stood out. I was like, man, like that's a super huge deficiency. And if he doesn't improve that. Um, there's going to be no future. It, it was quite the opposite. It was like, wow, like where are the chinks in the armor? Um, then there's not many unless you know the intricacies of the play call, maybe. Um, I, I thought sometimes he would take sacks um, that I felt like someone with his athleticism would have gotten out of. Um, so maybe there's an element of getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker. But again, I think that goes into, you know, having the wherewithal to not just chuck it up there and throw it, you know, an interception versus like, listen, I'll take a sack. I'll come play another down. It's not a big deal. Well, you know, and I think you touched upon it as we kind of get into the, the, the kind of the final stages. And again, we, we don't want to be, you know, overly, overly kind of, you know, uh, abusive of your time. You've been so generous with it. I mean, it, all the things that you shared about Kyler, both, you know, his, you know, his extraordinary strengths, you know, his opportunities for development and potential. My question is, is that, you know, your perspective on the position has been, you know, shaped over years, 27 years of experience. And as players, as people begin to watch the position, whether they're, you know, analysts or fans or things of that nature, I mean, like you said, we don't know the intricacies of the play call. We're, we're from a 35,000 foot view from the field. What are some, you know, what are some good habits we could get into when we're observing quarterbacks, trying to watch them? What are, what's a good idea or a couple of good kind of, um, protocols we should follow before we kind of pass judgment in our naive kind mm-hmm. of standpoint. What are some good protocols that you think we should kind of take with us as analysts or as fans of the game before we pass judgment on a player's kind of that was a plus or that was a minus play? Yeah. Any thoughts? Absolutely. You know, and, and using Kyler as an example, right? I mean, I think, um, it's always interesting to see where when we're evaluating quarterbacks where, when someone throws an interception, at what point in the play did that happen? And, and so I, there is better, I mean, all interceptions are bad, but there's some that are kind of a little better than others. Right. And so sometimes it's, it's, you know, um, they see a matchup they like, they see something that makes sense. And the, the intent behind the throw is there. Um, but maybe it's the wrong type of throw, not understanding, hey, like these defensive backs have got leverage that we, we're not used to. So maybe it looks like, oh, that was really a poor throw. You know, and if they continue to do those, you know, types of poor interceptions, um, then then maybe it's an issue there. But a lot of the times it's just feeling it out like, okay, I had this, you know, in college I could get away with that and, and the pros you can't. Um, 
so there's that learning curve you you know you've got to evaluate kind of what what point during the play does the interception have you know they have uh does it occur and then and then um you know what type of throw it was you know the ones that scare you are are where you you the player almost doesn't see where the guy picks it up from right so maybe it's like a backside linebacker jumps onto the route or he's you know ripping a ball at a receiver and there's literally a defender standing right in front of him that it just kind of blurs out you know and so those type of interceptions are the ones that you kind of go okay maybe this guy has an issue um not in vision in traditional sense of like i can see that i can't see that but just being able to track and process the speed of 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 movements and and maybe the uh complexity of of the play call plays into um account one thing that really stood out about Kyler, and I thought this was really interesting, just evaluating all quarterbacks, is when he decides on a broken play, um, whether it's in the pocket or outside the pocket, the the lapse of time is so uh, minuscule when he locates and throws. I mean, it's the suddenness that really stood out to me watching his film is there was no hesitation from like, whether it's an off progression read or he's been flushed, he pulls the trigger quicker. It's like, he doesn't have to like stare it down and wait for it to come open. He like, he knows what is open and he rips it when he sees that. And so to me, that was a really encouraging trait that just stood out was man, he, through the chaos, he has a great eye um, to, to, to make the right type of throw with the right type of velocity, the right angle and difficult throws. And, and I think that's a, a skill set that, you know, as a, as a, as a fan or, or a coach or someone that's just trying to learn the game, you know, um, when, when they're un, in pressure situations like that, is it something where they just kind of throw it up, you know, or do they have success? They always talk about Aaron Rodgers, like don't get Aaron outside of the pocket because he's going to make you pay. And it's probably a very similar trait. I think those two, Aaron and Kyler are very, very similar quarterbacks in a lot of aspects. Wow. See, and and I think that's so profound. And I think that encompasses what we're trying to kind of send as a message to both analysts, players, and coaches, which is, you know, don't judge a book by its cover just because you have prototypical kind of heights and weights and, you know, what constitutes a correct throwing technique versus an incorrect throwing technique. You know, judge judge more on the play on the field than you do, you know, in some kind of isolated, non-representative kind of circumstance. And I think that was just so profound. And and that leads me to that kind of other question and that final topic for, you know, for this episode, which is if you wanted to leave, Will, some enduring understandings for coaches about creating that kind of confidence within a player, I know, I know that everybody is their own unique snowflake, as I say. I mean, you know, you're not going to recreate Kyler Murray, you know, in any way, and you're not going to recreate Aaron Rodgers. But in terms of getting closer to maybe that enduring understanding that, that like you said, they are similar. They are similar because they have that confidence in seeing the way routes will unfold relative to coverages they they throw the player open they understand leverage you know they're able to connect to information that is that is really kind of only understandable by them um but how do we do that as a coach what are some enduring understandings you might want to leave a coach about the position and maybe any lessons that kyler could teach us about how we need to coach that position absolutely um to me, 
it, you know, as, as coaches, I think, and, and this is what practice is for, I think, you know, it, it's, it's messy. And I think as coaches, um, the thought of stuff, thought of messy is, is uh, somehow attached to not good or losing, but learning is not linear. It's, it's not straightforward. So for quarterbacks, so often they're limited on um, how they can move through some a progression or where their eyes have to go. And, and we coach the creativity out of them. We coach, uh, uh, you know, the playmaking ability out of, out of players very, very quickly. Um, and I get it. I understand that we have, you know, we have a system you want to run. But at the end of the day, and I think you put it um, so well, it's like, you know, are we evaluating in the traditional sense of the word of, you know, is that fundamental? Is that, um, you know, is that the right technique? Or do they get the job done? You know, are they making plays? Are they moving the ball? And and so I think every period, you know, every coach in practice should have a period where they just shut up and don't say anything to the quarterback and let him call the plays and let him make the decisions on where he wants to go. And you'll learn a lot if there's a lot of interceptions thrown. Um, but I think, you know, like everything in life, we keep preaching failure is, is, is you know, uh, is what leads us to success. So we should be okay with a little bit of that at practice. And I get it, the pressure to win, you got to get fired, we've got to have guys, um, you know, um, perform. But to me, like, being able to release yourself of like, oh, you know what, I can't make that throw or hey, I didn't know I could make that throw. And wow, I can do that. And uh, my coach is not going to rip my head off if, um, you know, the corners leverage really said, I probably shouldn't throw this, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and and so it's almost like sometimes we should force quarterbacks into like, hey, I want you to throw this no matter what and see if you can figure out how to make this ball completed. And if it's a pick, I don't care. You know, just to let players explore scenarios a little bit deeper. And and ten, I think that typically what's happened with talented players that are talented early is they get permission to do that a lot easier and, and rightfully so in some some aspects but if we, we truly want guys to make plays they need a longer leash they need to be able to mess up and not fear um that they're going to get yanked out of there and put in for someone else so i think looking at the position from a standpoint of early on um you know it's okay and as a, as a jv player like you know letting them chuck it more than than um the average average quarterback i think is healthy for them and it just you learn so much from it and it, listen they maybe they're not the right player for the position and you move on to the next guy but you can't you can't get there if you don't give them reps and the permission to fail i mean you said so many things there that i i, I just find so profound and you know, it's something that I'm I'm trying to adopt in my own craft and not only as an analyst, but also as a coach as well. I mean, you talked about, you know, the idea of getting yanked. And I think that's a big part of, you know, developing a safe space for to make mistakes, because I mean, if you don't feel safe about making a mistake, then you're less inclined to really ever try something that isn't prescribed. And, and that's, that's a really big thing. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of research, it seems about, you know, the more comfortable the athlete, the more safe they feel in their own errors, the more development they end up in seeing in the long run. And, and I think that the great point that you made about messiness, I mean, we look at it as messy. It's such a derogatory word, but in your, but you said it so eloquently as well. 
it's part of the learning process. And if it's not messy, then you're doing something wrong. If it's not messy, I think we should be maybe saying as coaches, but then we're doing something wrong. Yeah, if, sure. if everybody, I mean, if everybody is marching in order, like a, like a well-oiled machine, like a, almost a militaristic style kind of, you know, out on the, the kind of, uh, you know, out on kind of like, you know, the, 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 the parade field marching in time, twirling, you know, our rifles in, in perfect kind of succinct order, then maybe we're doing something wrong in our practice because there's not enough errors being made in terms of learning. And I think that was just really so well put. I mean, well, I, I can go on and on, but I, I know that time is precious. I just want to say thank you so much for really taking this time and really sharing all these insights with regards to Kyler Murray and also about the quarterback position. It is still one of the positions that I think everybody out there is just just so intrigued by, but yet we all have these different perspectives. And I just love some of the 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 kind of um, kind of uh, almost I want to say calm meditative approach you bring to it makes us feel like we can probably all grasp it if we so choose to kind of bring it together. So. Will, thank you so much for being a guest on the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. Thanks so so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it and uh, excited to be back on. Thanks again. So, Will, if, if people are listening to this and they want to check out your work and they want to kind of figure out what the QB Collective is all about or even just follow some of your thoughts and ideas, you know, where can they kind of follow you? Yeah, uh, I have a somewhat active or inactive Twitter account at at Will Hewlett. Um, and I believe it's the same on Instagram at Will Hewlett. And then obviously check out qbcollective.com uh, and all their social media accounts. Um, that's where most of the content is. And yeah, man, I really, really appreciate the shout out and thanks for having me on again. So again, for Will, myself and the rest of the, the people at the Saturday to Sunday football podcast, we hope that all of you, uh, are staying safe and healthy throughout this hiatus that all of you are doing well with you and your families. And thank you so much as the summer seminar series continues to roll along. Please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>